Welcome to the July 4th edition of the two-man power trip of wrestling podcast. Before we get into today's episode, we just want to take a quick little walk down memory lane and go deep into those archives of the two-man power trip of wrestling. And we want to bring you a clip that talks about one of the most memorable July 4th incidents in the history of the business as a former guest of ours, the man made in the USA, Lex Luger, went into great detail to relive that magical summer of 1993 where he took on the mighty Yokozuna and it all started on July 4th, 1993 on the USS Intrepid as Lex Luger body slammed Yokozuna and was the first man to do so and it set forth upon a great run of Lex Luger and the Lex Express was up and running and why don't we throw it over to Alex Luger before we get into today's episode and enjoy his retelling of that magical run he had as the man made in the USA set forth across this great nation to get what he wanted, and that was his title match with WWE Hall of Famer, the mighty Yokozuna. So enjoy, and after that, we will see you here on the two-man power trip of wrestling podcast. And then from there it happened, the 550-pounder charge. Luger ducking out of the way, nailing Yokozuna with a six-inch steel plate in the forearm. And from there, yes, yes, it was unbelievable. Max Luger had done it. Max Luger had accomplished the impossible. He slammed the 550-pound champion down to the mat. Wow, 23 years. It was a magical moment. Uh, the buildup was incredible. I thought Vince was was half crazy when he told the idea of, of me going from being a narcissist looking at veneers with Bobby Hand uh, to being like the big Yankee doodle dandy patriotic hero on July 4th on the USS Intrepid. It was like I was scratching my head, but it uh, turned out fantastic. It was just a, a very, very special moment that I, I couldn't have the crowd went insane uh, when that happened just the way Vince worked it all out and I was uh, it was a, a very very special moment for myself and so many fans coming who were either there or watching it on television what a what a great moment as well definitely one of the highlights of my career for sure they gave me a huge send off at the WGB office Vince and the whole staff and uh, it was probably about six week long tour that we literally almost went to every part of the country um, and the crowds and the media attention and uh, and all the fans I got to meet and autographs I got to sign it was uh, it was a great tour uh, Vince brought my brought my family and uh, my wife and kids to hang out with me on the bus and they loved it and it was really really neat just uh, once again uh, as you can imagine, great, uh, great memories, great memories, a lot of fun. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the Two Man Power Trip. Oh my God! This is Joey Styles, and you're listening to the Two Man Power Trip podcast. This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Cody Rhodes, the Prince of Pro Wrestling, and you are listening to Two Man Power Trip. This is Jimmy Vine, the Boogie Woogie Man. Tell my people, my brothers and sisters, don't you dare miss John and Chad. Hey, everybody out there, this is the franchise Shane Douglas. Remember me? <laughs> well, guys, it's great to be on the show again. I appreciate you asking me back. So you said you were going to pinch yourself. I didn't know it was that kind of show now. I mean, if you guys are in the privacy of your own home, if you want to do these things. Good. How you doing, Chad? Hey, John. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Okay. Hey, man. What's up, guys? This is Homicide. Oh, that's my homie. Homicide with a big homie club. Yeah, that would be it. Hey, this is David Penzer, and this is the two-man power trip of wrestling. Well, thank you, thank you. Hear me, fear me. I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know ten times more than I do. Look, Mean Gene, I can't be beat. I'm the greatest of all time. And I would say that. And every kid, I, they knew they could kick the out of me. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling, and now they bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. 
They are Primetime Pod and Chaz, the two-man power trip of Saturday, November 15th, in San Diego, California, we got two mixed martial arts Hall of Famers. One is Tito Ortiz, and he'll be fighting another mixed martial arts Hall of Famer, Mr. Stefan Bonner. Stefan, I've never heard the announcement of signing a fighter and had them call out another fighter with the kind of venom with which you called out Tito Ortiz, called him a virus. Said you're gonna cure it, how do you plan to do that? Can I borrow this for a second, I'll give it right back. How many Tito Ortiz fans do we have here? You know why you're Tito Ortiz fans? Because you don't know him. It amazes me how many of his old friends, coaches, training partners, managers have come out of the woodwork to help me because they want to see him get his ass kicked. Everyone says the same thing. He's the most selfish, self-absorbed, arrogant sack of crap they've ever met. And the only thing bigger than his head is his inflated ego. Proof of that is right here. This guy helped him win many world championships. You might recognize him from being in his corner for all those fights. And all he had to give him in return for thanks was nothing. Flushed him down the toilet like a turd. I can't wait to be in the cage with Tito. I can't wait to eat his elbows and punches to be covered in blood so I can laugh at him, spit in his face, and kick his ass. All I got to say to you is, poor Jenna. I don't know how she put up with you all those years. All of a sudden, we got one drug addict with another drug. This is amazing. And for another thing, you can talk all the smack you want. When you talk about my family and you talk about my fans, this shit gets personal. A punk ass kid like you, with a little, little mask that he put on, you're gonna put this at the five drive. But I still have the mic. Check it out on Spike. Thank you so much. Stefan Bonner versus Tito Ortiz. This is the two-man power trip of wrestling. And you were listening to episode number 281 of the two-man power trip of wrestling podcast. A podcast that you can catch two times a week and download it from wherever you get your podcast from. Whether it's iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Player FM, Podomatic.com, or even our friends over at Podbean. You never know who's going to be on the other end of the line of the two-man power trip of wrestling. And you also better head on over to the IRW Network every Monday as we drop brand new episodes of the Triple Threat Podcast featuring the franchise Shane Douglas and the two-man power trip of wrestling, slowly but surely causing a podcast movement. You can catch three episodes featuring John and myself, but please, we definitely want you to get over to the IRW Network and check out the Triple Threat Podcast with our buddy, the franchise, Shane Douglas. And with all that being said, welcome to the 4th of July edition of the two-man power trip of wrestling. Of course, a very patriotic day. And who better to celebrate this with than the American psycho himself, UFC Hall of Famer, MMA legend, Stefan Bonner. And this is one where, listen, I have not made it uh, as clear as I should. I don't know much about MMA, but my partner is nuts when it comes to MMA. But when it comes to an MMA guy who wants to get into professional wrestling, now you get my interest peaked, you get my interest spiked. And you get me definitely wanting to hear more. And I'm not going to sell this properly, so I would like my partner to kind of step in here. And I want him to intro this interview properly because he was absolutely stoked to get on the line with Stefan Bonner and learn about why he's making 
this transition into pro wrestling. And I know it's something we've asked so many guys, whether it's a guy like Dan Severn or a guy like Ken Shamrock or even somebody more recently getting into the wrestling world like a Matt Riddle, who we've seen absolutely take off in the last 10 months. Um, a guy like Stefan Bonner, obviously he's got a reputation and crossing over here into professional wrestling. You got to prove yourself. And when you're a legit athlete and you are some, uh, buddy that could legit whoop the ass of your opponent, I think that you've got quite the reputation coming in. But John, why don't you talk a little bit more about Stefan Bonner's journey into professional wrestling as well as tell us about what he's done in that tiny little minuscule, just kidding, world of the UFC and how he became such a big name and made it into that illustrious UFC Hall of Fame. Yes, Chad, back here again at the two-man power trip of wrestling. And we're dabbling into the world of MMA once again with the American psycho, Stefan Bonner. But is it really dabbling into the MMA world? Or is he dabbling into our world, into the pro wrestling world? Yes, Stefan Bonner, July 16th for Smash Pro Wrestling. He will be wrestling in a tag team match with Phil Baroni. And you will definitely enjoy that one. That is over in Valparaiso, Indiana. And it's pretty amazing when you get these MMA guys like Stefan Bonner, obviously UFC Hall of Famer. And then you get a legendary MMA figure like Phil Baroni. And they want to get into the wrestling world. And they want to, you know, try their hand at this. And it's really, really kind of cool. And it's great. And you always, you know, through the history of MMA and the history of pro wrestling, you see guys that went from the pro wrestling world, like Sakuraba, like Ken Shamrock, like Dan Severn, and then go over to the MMA world. Even a guy like Brock Lesnar, um, who is going to go from the pro wrestling world to the MMA world, and more recently with CM Punk. You know, it's, it's not really that rare to see the opposite, but you see less of the opposite, which is the MMA guy to the pro wrestling world. I mean, you've seen guys like Don Fry do it. Obviously, you know, you've seen it like... Um, Guys like Tank Abbott do it. You've seen, you I mean, you've seen guys do it in the past, and, and you know, be really successful at it. But it's great to see Stefan Bonner trying his hat at this as well, because when you get a bona fide legend, a bona fide icon, a bona fide UFC Hall of Famer that's willing to step into the wrestling ring, you know, for the first time and really kind of try it out. And like he said, you know, he's got to do this before he's too old. He was always wanted to do it, dying to do it. So, you know, you got to want to get this thing done. And if you, quite frankly, don't get it done, it's going to be a regret. So it's pretty awesome to be able to get him into a pro wrestling ring, especially while he's still in good shape, especially while he's still, you know, young at heart and is still, you know, able to kick some ass because who is more believable in a wrestling ring than a former, you know, UFC star, a UFC Hall of Famer, and an MMA badass? I mean, this guy knows Muay Thai, he knows BJJ, he knows wrestling, he knows boxing, he knows kickboxing. So when you're in a wrestling ring and, and you know, you want to see believability, like a guy like Lesnar, like, oh, this guy could really kick ass, I really, you know, believe him. Well, Stefan Bonner falls in the same category. I mean, this is just a, you know, a big, strong, you know, um, brutal, tough guy that's from the MMA world and basically can kick anybody's ass, whether it be real life or whether it be scripted, and it's totally, totally believable, and um, and um, it's totally um, un unreal, and it's just awesome to be able to see that uh, Stefan Bonner is going to make his way into the wrestling ring. And what I said to him in the interview, I said the real precursor to him getting into the wrestling ring was his last outing at Bellator and that feud with Tito Ortiz. We get more into it, obviously, in the interview, but if you haven't seen it, go out of your way to watch the build-up to Bellator 131 where Tito fights Stefan Bonner. It is awesome. It's so funny. It's so pro-wrestling-like. It's, it's just unbelievable. Basically, Bonner brings in a former training partner of Tito under a mask, and they bring him into the ring. And guess what? He undoes the mask. It's Tito's former training partner. He's Tito legitimately is absolutely shocked. He, he tries to attack them. So uh, it's just, it's so funny, so good. But I said it was definitely a precursor to him entering the world of wrestling because that is a pro wrestling storyline in the MMA world. So just great stuff there. And he kind of, you know, got his foot wet, dabbled there, and now full on training, a full on match. So don't forget Smash Pro Wrestling. 
down there in Valparaiso, Indiana on July 16th. Check it out. Stefan Bonner makes his pro wrestling debut of sorts. He's been in a battle royal before, but this is really his first quote-unquote match per se as he teams up with a fellow MMA legend Phil Baroni and they are going to kick some ass and like he said if he doesn't want to take a bump he's not taking a bump he's going to kick ass take names and possibly rip some arms off absolutely I'm dying to hear this one I love when you can get into those MMA fighters and you get to break down not only the fight world but you get to talk a little wrestling as well And I hope everybody enjoys this 4th of July episode. I hope you enjoy the little 4th of July Easter egg that was at the top of this episode featuring who else but Lex Luger talking about the Lex Express and what was that amazing summer of 1993. And I always love to kind of throw those Easter eggs in on a holiday. And of course, in America, the 4th of July is a big holiday. And we just celebrated it here with the American Psycho. So now I'm going to be a little psycho. I'm going to tell you, please, I want you to get on over to the IRW Network. Listen to the Triple Threat podcast featuring the franchise Shane Douglas and the two-man power trip of wrestling. And don't forget that there will be a special Triple Threat podcast download in your iTunes subscription coming. And you are going to enjoy the best of the first few episodes of the Triple Threat podcast And we want feedback on it. And Shane is definitely dying to hear from the fans. So please, if you listen to that, get on there and give us feedback. We want to hear about it. We love this show. We love doing it. And we're giving it as much all as we can, especially with this rigorous two-man power trip of wrestling schedule that we keep up. So with all that being said, hope you enjoy this. And get it on over, John, to the American Psycho UFC Hall of Famer. Now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Two Man Power Trip and at Wrestling Pal. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes. Please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Also, while on iTunes, check out the feed for prior legendary episodes featuring the living legend Bruno San Martino, the late great American Dream Dusty Rose, the Enforcer Arn Anderson, Ray Mysterio Jr., Glenn Kane Jacobs, the phenomenal AJ Styles, lead WWE attorney Jerry McDivitt, and so many others. Also, while you're on the internet, check out ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, that is ProWrestlingTees.com. They are your superstore for all your wrestling t-shirt needs. Check out our page. Check out Tito Santana, Coco Beware, Kevin Thorne, Buff Bagwell, Magnum TA, and so many others. Also, while you're on the web, check out our website, tmptofwrestling.com. And if you're on Android, please check us out on Google Play or Player FM. Follow along with the two-man power trip of wrestling in 2017 as we hit the road and we come to a town near you. In New Kent, Virginia on July 15th for the Crockett Cup. Then follow us down to Philadelphia where we hit the Icons Collectors Fest at the 2300 Arena. So please follow along with the two-man power trip of wrestling in 2017 because you never know where we may land. And now, without any further ado, an MMA legend, an MMA icon, a UFC Hall of Famer. You may know him as Robocop, or best known as the American Psycho. He is Stefan Bonner. Please enjoy.
is a UFC Hall of Famer. He's an MMA legend. He's an MMA icon. You may know him as a RoboCop or the American Psycho. He is now entering the pro wrestling world. He is Stephen Bonner. Welcome to Power Trip of Wrestling. All right. Power through, man. I can't believe he called me RoboCop. <laughs> I haven't heard that one in a long time. Yeah, a very old nickname of yours, yes. I guess everyone very knows you as, uh, as the American Psycho, right? Yeah. So yeah, Carlson gave me that name. Carlson Gracie. Yeah, that was like 2002. I was reading about that. He gave you that, which is an awesome nickname and an awesome series of movies as well. It's awesome that it came from him. Oh, absolutely. Personally, I like American Psycho better, but just the fact that he came up with that is the cool part. Absolutely. And kind of, we'll get back to, like, you know, your MMA roots and calls for race and things like that. I just wanted to first touch on July 16th in Valparaiso, Indiana, for Smash Mouth Pro Wrestling. You'd be entering the pro wrestling world in a tag team match with Phil Baroni. What do you think about entering the wacky world of pro wrestling? Uh, just crossing another thing off the whole bucket list. I'm 40. When I know it, I'll be too old to have tried it, and I'll be sitting there in the garage. So, giving it a whirl, man. I'm going to have a little fun. And um, me and Phil Baroni, you know, come on, we're not putting anyone over. We're going to go in there and uh, <laughs> just shout some ass whooping. Uh, I love it. I, I expect uh, nothing less. So how did you kind of get into the wrestling? I know you've kind of been training off and on for a while. I know Dana White a while ago was bitching. I think it was in 2013 that you had been training for pro wrestling. So was that kind of when you started training? No, no, man. He interpreted it wrong. Uh, Dave Batista did an MMA fight, and, and I helped him train MMA. And he's a pro wrestler, you know. Mm-hmm. WWE Dave Batista, he's uh, doing those Guardians of the Galaxy movies now, among other movies. So, anyways, he, uh, a few years back, he decided he won, you know, just like me in the pro wrestling. Like pretty soon, I'll be too old to have tried it. I've always wanted to do an MMA uh, fight, so he put together a training camp, and I was part of that training camp to help get ready for MMA. So, no, I've never done it. And I got invited to the Smash Mouth Pro Wrestling Show April 8th in Valparaiso, Indiana, right next to my hometown of Munster. So I got to go home to my friends and family and do it. It was like a battle royal, and it was fun. And um, uh, the promoter, Jeremy, wants to have me back, and um, I told him I had just started training. After I did that show, Battle Royal match, I actually went to the pro wrestling gym and started training. So, uh, and Phil's done it before, so he's like, how about you two do a tag team match um, with uh, Tristan Hayes and The Machine. And I had a little beef with him at the first show, and we're going to settle it July 16th when he's when he's going to be tapping out. Love it. Looking forward to it. So your actual training and kind of venturing into pro wrestling, how is it transitioning from MMA to the world of pro wrestling? Um, oh, boy. For me, it's so much harder. Like yesterday, I went to the MMA gym and sparred a little, and it just it's like walking for me. This stuff, like, you know, you're doing fun. It's more like dancing. Whereas fighting is more like freestyle rap. This is like a choreographed, like the flamenco or something. You know, you guys are doing a little dance of choreographed moves where, you know, maybe it's just easier for me just to go in there and, and, and fight and spar and make shit up as I go along. But they say the old-time wrestlers, that's how they did it. Because Eddie Guerrero would freak people out because he would go back in the locker room and kind of talk the match like they do nowadays. He just get the guys all sweating and nervous and, and just let let them figure the matches out in there, in the ring. And that's, that was Eddie's style. It's like an old school, the wrestling realist style and the new modern day style is to talk your match in the back. And, you know, on the higher levels and 
you know, as you go up, then it's done. That's what the guy tell me it's done more and more. Like, WWE is up and, like, super choreographed. Um, well, nowadays, whereas in the old days, guys like Eddie Guerrero would purposely not let you script it. So you had to learn how to be a real wrestler. Yes. And this is what I've been told. But I don't know shit. I'm new to this. This is new. But it's fascinating. I'm hearing all these stories and I'm watching old matches. And it's, it's kind of fun. It's like I'm learning again. Mentally, I'm stimulated. Because, you know, you play for so long. Like I said, it's like walking. I could go in and spar. I don't think about it. Um, and this is new and stimulating. So you need that, you know? I was going in, like, the, you know, get workouts with animations. And uh, I was like, man, what am I doing? Like, this is... I'm sick of this, you know, and I retired, like, what's the point? So now I'll just go there for fun, get some sparring, to get a sweat on, you know, good cardio, and then stimulate my mind by learning pro wrestling. That's where I just came from. Now, were you always a pro wrestling fan? Like, obviously, you know, you're very familiar with Eddie Guerrero and things like that, but were you always a fan of pro wrestling? Hey, yes and no. Like, as a little kid, yeah, there's no um, UFC, so... I wanted to be Hulk Hogan, the Ultimate Warrior, and then you know you grow up and in high school '93, the UFC came out, and I fell in love with that. You know, there was not like there were pro wrestling schools around, and there wasn't MMA gyms either. I was doing like wrestling and taekwondo as a kid through high school, and then college discovered jujitsu, and then after college started boxing, and then once I started MMA in 2001, it was just like uh, every the uh, they estimate you have like sixty thousand thoughts a day, and like fifty five thousand of them were MMA related. That was like my life for a good fourteen, fifteen years, and then you know retired from that, and uh, kind of got that itch. Like I miss the entertainment aspect of fighting, going in there entertaining the audience, and um, I realized yeah, you know. Uh, my days of mixing it up with guys like John Jones are behind me, but these pro wrestling guys, they're not going to be able to stop me from tapping them out. That is very, very true. If you wanted to, you, you know, you'll, you'll snap uh, all their arms and kind of kill them. What I find yeah, fascinating... Yeah, I'm not going to hurt anyone, but yeah, I'll put some people to sleep, make them tap. <laughs> What I find, you know, real fascinating is a lot of pro wrestlers get into MMA. Sometimes it's not the reverse. Sometimes it's not MMA guys getting into pro wrestling. Like Dan Severn, Ken Shamrock, Kazushi Sakuraba were all pro wrestlers first, then they got into MMA. You and, like, King Mo and a couple but other guys. But they were martial artists. Just like, you know, people are comparing Brock Lesnar to CM Punk. Brock Lesnar, you know, national shit. There's no comparison. You know, CM Punk. Is not an athlete, you know. He he's a pro wrestler, and Brock Lesnar first and foremost is an athlete to learn pro wrestling. So there's a difference. So very uh, true. It's very true. But it is interesting, you know, that those guys—they're definitely athletes. They're definitely you know skilled. But like Sakuraba, Severn, Shamrock, they all did wrestling and then went to MMA. You're doing it the opposite. You ever, you know, find that that's kind of strange for you? Kind of like, uh, you know, really uncharted waters as far as there's not too many MMA guys that jumped in pro wrestling? Yeah, I don't know. I just never really thought of that. But I just like it because you kind of, uh, you let everyone know what, what, what you're cool with doing. Like, oh, no, I'm not going to fall off a ladder through a table. You know? No, I'm not going to take that move. Like, like that's a good thing I like about it. Um, you you know, if you're not comfortable with doing a certain stunt, because let's face it, they're just stunts. You just opt out of it. And, you know, I'm in a position where I just like to do it as far along and there's a hobby in that, so it's not like um, it's going to be... I'm going to be in one of those situations like, oh, I really need to get in this show so bad that I'm willing to fall off a ladder through a table. <laughs> not happening. <laughs> Well, that's good to hear, you know. Uh, sometimes it can get a little risky and a little crazy to see you guys. Yeah, some of the stuff I see that do is just insane. Like, insane. Like, I would never do it in a million years. But that's all right, you know. 
It is crazy. Some of the risks that they take is insane. But as far as you know... Yeah, and it's, it's, it's their choice. It's all by choice. It's not like you see me, you know, John Jones had a nice toss on me. Like, I couldn't help it. I went for a ride. He's nailed a move on me. And this has got to be like, okay, you ready to do the move? Here I am. going to try to be as light as possible and make it look good for you. That's the name of the game. Right, and if you don't want to go through a table, if you don't want to fall off a ladder, you're not doing it because you're not comfortable with it and you don't really want to get hurt. By in, in that yeah, aspect. yeah, and half the game is selling the other guy's move. It's like one of the teachers there made a living selling. Selling. You know, he worked for WCW for a long time, Disco Inferno, and it was his specialty. It was sold. Make guys look good. It's always got to work. So that's a hard in of itself. The art of selling. Yeah, Absolutely. it's cool, man. It's uh, it's, it's different. It's, uh, it's not what I expected at first. Uh, it's, it's fun. It's like learning, you know, like I'm a little kid learning the piano. It feels like. Now, as far as your training and stuff, obviously, you know, you said it's a lot of fun. It's kind of not what you expected. Who is more of your trainers? You obviously mentioned Disco Inferno, one of them, that former WCW star, obviously. But uh, who else is in, in that training group for you? Um. I've been trained at FXW, so we got a couple teachers. Remy's pretty cool. Kevin Cross trains there. He's with Lucha. Um, guy Swade, he's a pretty good wrestler from there. Uh, oh, Kenny King, he taught a class last week. I was uh, on the Bachelorette. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, when you're in that training class and, you know, you're going through everything, are you, you know, are you going through everything from A to Z, or are you kind of doing, like, advanced level stuff at this point? Yeah, no. I'm just, yeah, learning the basics. But that's the cool thing is, like, I, it's not a far stretch what I have to do. I've got to go in there, take some bumps, learn how to fall right, okay, and then set up. One of my moves, right? You kick people in the head, knee them in the head, and submission holds, choke people out. So, yeah, so the moves I got to learn. I could do the basics and all that, but, uh, you know, my, my go-to moves are are pretty simple, you know? Kick, sneeze, and choke holds. Yeah, and you're already there as far as believability. Not a far stretch. Not a far stretch. I did Stone Cold's podcast once, and this was like... A while ago, I felt like I, I was going to go in and then, you know, procrastinate and put things off that I turned 40 and like, whoa, better give this a try. But he told me, uh, as when I asked him about learning pro wrestling, he's like, man, you, you can fight for real. Like, that's going to put you over uh, and give you a huge advantage over anyone else because you can just go in there and do your moves and they're believable. You know, you go and need someone that they, they should go down. You know, this shit shut up. Not a far stretch, man. Like, you can fight, that's what he said, you can fight for real. 100%, and if you think about it, uh, even if you watch uh, Brock Lesnar, he doesn't really do much in his matches. He just literally tosses guys around, and it's and it's so believable because your background and his background, it's you know, it's kind of a slam dunk. If you do a sim- simple move, it's more believable to the fans than if somebody else did. Yeah. Yeah, it's too, like, because I think it looks silly, too, uh, to see, like, an MMA guy go in there and try, like, total pro wrestling moves. Like, I shouldn't be going in there throwing clotheslines, really. No, but probably not. Yeah, you keep it more basic, keep it more realistic. But I feel like your style in and of itself, even in MMA, your promo ability, when you know, when you were cutting the promos to grab, it was very pro wrestling like. Is that kind of where you got some of your uh, your you know, your talking chomps from? Well it's another thing. In MMA you gotta cut promos for real. You gotta let everyone know you're gonna kick this guy's ass. And that's a real fight. So I think it's harder in MMA to cut good promos because it's it's all real. Where I had perfect example of CM Punk. I'm a huge CM Punk fan. Now you think he's one of the, the best guys of all time on the mic. Uh, mic skills, promo skills are second to none. Yet in MMA, 
not saying he has to be disrespectful, but he's just boring. I think he could still be respectful and entertaining and cut MMA promos about tuning into his upcoming fights like people could expect. And so far, I look forward to seeing his, oh, God, let's see what CM Punk has to say about his upcoming fight. And it leaves me like, God, it was boring. You know, it doesn't have to go over the top, be pro wrestling or turn heel and be disrespectful. But um, I was disappointed because he, he's got more than that. For sure. And, uh, but he's new, though. He's new, you know. I'm sure if he did MMA 10 more years, like, it would loosen up. But, yeah, that was, that's tough what he did. For no zero and zero. Even Brock Lesnar had the sense to take a couple tune-up fights before the UFC. First fight ever. No collegiate wrestling base in the UFC. Tall task for anyone. Definitely. Do you see Punk ever returning to uh, UFC or MMA in general? Honestly, like, he's... he's you know, see what are they going to do? Unless they match him up like another 40 or match him up like uh, someone, Phil Barone. Thrill it. It would be the perfect fight for him. The guy, guy who's 25 years old and undefeated, like 6-0 or something, like, <laughs> it's not the best fight for him. You know, you can do some pay-per-view fights, give him like, because even that, there's really no, like, super winnable fight. Like, I don't care who you match him up with, um, he's going to be an underdog. So, yeah, I'd love to see him back. It's in a winnable fight, or in a fight that could be competitive, you know? Don't match him up like the next George St. Pierre. Come on. Yeah, Mickey Gall, I mean, that was a little bit of an unfair Dude, fight he, as far as experience. Yeah. yeah. He's in his 20s, coming into his stride. Like, I think he was like 1 or 2 and 0 in the UFC already. Uh Oh, such one of the best promos, definitely best MMA promo. And then you tear off the mask. How did that whole thing come about? Like, who's is that? Just your brainchild and coming up with that whole thing with the mask and coming out of retirement, Tito and that whole thing. The mask was all Macaulay's idea. I had no interest in fighting again, but like when I do interviews with people, would say, "Oh, like, well, one, there's one guy you could have fought and never got a chance to fight." It was, it was Tito, and like I never really, I never cared for. Him be honest with you. I thought back when he gave uh, Ken Shamrock the finger after the guy Metzger fight, like that was disrespectful. And when he wore the I Killed Kenny shirt after he fought Ken the first time, I thought that was disrespectful. And like, God, man, I just got to give the case some medicine. I helped Chuck train before the first fight. Chuck said he was an asshole. And uh, my last UFC manager, he used to manage him, said he screwed him over. And um, uh, I just heard, you know, uh, about his character from a lot of people. And um, they offered me the fight, and it was like, man, like, they first said, you want to fight for us? I was like, no. And then they're like, well, we want you to fight Tito. And it was like, I couldn't, I didn't even think about it for a, a tenth of a second. Like, just before I could even think about it, the words yes came out of my mouth. And uh, I was wanting to fight him. And, um, yeah, McCauley got in touch with me, and sure, again, one, one other person said, yeah, like, he, I sure yeah, helped him train for a, a bunch of fights where, uh, and I, I remember I saw Tito in his corner for his fights and him and Tito's, and Tito screwed him over, never paid him, and he wanted to help me get ready for the fight. So I just thought, okay, I'm going to, um, my my whole theory was uh, I'm gonna, I'll heal, I'm going to turn heel in MMA. And if, if I really felt like this, if you're stupid enough to be a Tito fan, then he could have you. I don't want anything to do with you. So, give me the mic, let me rip Tito apart, say uh, uh, pretty much what was the truth, that a lot of, you know, all his old buddies and coaches and training partners, managers, want to help me, kick his ass, because he screwed them over. So, um, yeah, let him know that, and then with a comment about Jenna. And of Gio, like, gets them out, like, and says something witty or has a good comeback. The whole thing kind of crumbles. But if he grabs the mic, fumbles on his words, and flashes out and takes a swing at me, then it's a success. And he did the latter. And, man, couldn't I ask for a, a better ending than that? <laughs> that was so great and so well done. It definitely felt like a precursor to your pro wrestling career. It felt like such a great... Yeah. For wrestling programming. And a lot of people always like, oh, that was like stage, stage. Stage would be if Tito knew what was going to happen. He really, like, 
like, hey, Tito, this is what we're going to do. No, I knew what I was going to say. Macaulay, that was his idea to bring a mask and surprise him. They used to be buddies. And then it was up to Tito. It was all in his hands. Uh, so so good. I was watching it the other night again. Yeah, you know, I watched it live as it was going on. I was like shocked. I'm like, this is unbelievably great. I know Scott Coker was happy because the numbers from Bellator 131 were highly, highly successful, and obviously that angle was played everywhere. But it was a contentious split decision loss for you. You felt like uh, the decision kind of wasn't uh, the best decision by the judges. Oh no, I guess out the third. You know, I know his first two rounds were close. I guess so. I had to get up all by. Focusing on pro wrestling at this point. Uh, well, not like I'm retiring from MMA to pursue pro wrestling. No, I retired from MMA because I knew training for that last fight. Like, that was it. My body was saying, no more. <laughs> no more, please. Uh, I like it describing it as my body's way of saving what's left in my brain self. So. <laughs> I thank you, buddy. Well, if you think about it, you and Forrest Griffin, Ultimate Fighter, obviously you were the, the, the runner-up. You, you lost that epic contest to Forrest Griffin, but it was the fight that revolutionized the sport of MMA. You basically saved the UFC's ass at that point because you know, they were kind of tanking big time, and all of a sudden you and Forrest Griffin happened, and boom, MMA and UFC is now worth, what, $4.5 billion or whatever it is? you look back quite fondly that you have such a momentous uh, place in history? Um, you know, yeah, everyone asks me about the forest fight, and I always say the same thing. Yeah, it's cool. But Phil Baroni brought up an interesting perspective. He goes, from my point of view, from my shoes where I'm standing, that's a fight that ruined the sport. <laughs> For one, crushed all competitors. Made UFC Monopoly. And two, made the average Joe, the average guy think, he could be a fighter, too. And you had all these average shows trying for the, out to be the UFC and trying out for the show, and that eventually drew the stock price of the fighter down. Huh. So, Interesting way to look at it. Thank you. Thank you, Stephen Bonner. Been ruined the sport. <laughs> I think he might be being a little bit of a buzzkill, though, because if you really look at, you know, you guys, you guys, I mean, you did, you know, have arguably the greatest fight of all time. It's funny. I never thought about it from that. So, to all the all fighters fighting before me, I'm, I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> Do you think that that was, you know, possibly one of the best fights ever? Uh, just the right time. First time on cable, people were on the shelf. Oh, should I like this? No, I don't want my boss to know when I watch this. Uh, blood sport to, to like the you know talk to the waterfall. Guys, you see that fight? Yeah, going to your boss, high five. Ooh, that was a great UFC. So I think that's kind of from my point of view, from the uh, optimistic, that's kind of what I view it as. It kind of put put the sport over. Now, are you and Forrest Griffin close that's at all? Yeah. Like, did that make you guys closer? Got along good. Yeah, and after that fight, we had to do all the TV and PR together, so we grew tight. Is it ever awkward that you like when you fight again? You know, you guys become close, but you gotta, you know, you guys gotta get back in there and kill each other again. Now, after like I ended up moving to Vegas and then training with them, and then it was like that every day we were going at it. So. <laughs> yeah, and those sparring sessions were pretty epic too. Like we'd go at it. So like, you put us in a cage, you're gonna be entertained, and then too you put us on the mic, you're gonna be entertained. Oh, absolutely. Uh... Two of the best. I, I say save the sport. Silver only says kill the sport, but I say uh, definitely save the sport for there. But what about the, those decisions? Do you think you definitely lost both of those decisions? Or is, again, the judge? Yeah, I don't you know. Whatever. It is what it is. The right guy won. I tell you that. The right guy won. Because what did it do to put the sport over? Had I won the decision, what would have happened? Forrest would have started crying, throwing a temper tantrum. He would have ran out of the cage, and people would have a sour taste in their mouth about the sport. And it wouldn't have put the sport over. I'm telling you. The right thing happened. True. I mean, that's a, that's a, a damn good point. And when you think about you and Forrest, now, isn't your um, isn't your son's name Griffin? Is that is that in something to do with Forrest? Is it like a little no, more? No, nothing. Family guy. 
Oh. <laughs> no, a joke. But no, yeah, after, after the moment. I like Frank Mir describes it as the BCAD line of MMA. It did. It brought it out of the dark ages and, you know, propelled it light years ahead. I uh, totally agree. And as I as I start to wind it down a bit here, I, I got to ask about, uh, you know, the Anderson Silva fight. You take it on short notice. Your resume kind of speaks for itself of all, like, the legendary guys you fought, whether it's uh, the Hammer, Mark Coleman, uh, Leota Machida, you know, Keith Jardine. I mean, there's so many before. Uh, Rashad Evans, John Jones, like you mentioned before, so many legendary guys. What about that Anderson Silva fight on short notice? That kind of made you a baby face in a lot of people's minds. Um, yeah, I mean, I was a big underdog. Oh, yeah, I was a huge underdog in that fight. But, um, I was, like, campaigning on the big fight. And, yeah, I wanted to go. I was thinking, of course, to coach the show and make some good TV in the fight again. And I was, like, promoting that. I promise I won't block any punches, and I'll always move forward, go for no takedowns. But, like, it just, um, they decided, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to go somewhere else. So I kind of gave up. Like, okay, because they offered me a job. Just retire. Take a job with us. And I did, and I was working for them. And then, uh... That's when I went to train with Batista a few weeks, and at the end of the few weeks of training with them, I got the call. You know, it's funny. We went to the UFC. Couldn't say no. Took the fight. Definitely on extremely short notice, but obviously, you know, again, like you said, you look like the underdog. It almost came in like a, like a baby face, you know, like uh, taking it to the last second. But as far as MMA is concerned. What do you think is like your lasting legacy? What's Stephen Bonner's lasting legacy in MMA? Oh, what I don't know. Before? I, I, I don't know, man. Who knows? My legacy. What I want it to be, what I dream it'll be. Some people think I'm an asshole. Some people uh, like the way I fight. And, you know, I like when those people say something nice. That, that feels good. So I'll, I'll try to remember that. And, uh, yeah, and that same thing, man, pro wrestling, I'm going to go, like, just entertain people with violence, stage violence, but nonetheless, and half of it's uh, mic skills anyway, so I'll get on the mic, talk some trash, be violent, entertain a crowd, have a little fun with it before I'm too old to do it. Which is awesome. I love, love that. And that, that is it's so great you said that. Is there any kind of dream match out there that you can think of that you want to have in pro wrestling? <laughs> Once again, um, back to Phil Barone. I was doing an interview with him the other day. Got asked the same question. Wasn't sure what to say. He goes, Are you kidding me? He's coming. He's getting the WWE heavyweight title. <laughs> so. Brock Lesnar, Bobby Lashley, who else? Who's up? Barnett's doing it. Yeah, those are all dream matchups. Oh, those are all three would be absolutely excellent. I would love that. Now, are you planning on doing like the whole independent scene? Are you going to like travel around and and work the independent circuit or no? Old time wrestlers are going to hate me. They're going to hate me. But no, I just want to do it as a little hobby. Have a little fun, learn something new. It's a hobby. Like, you know, I have no ambitions of being the wrestler, and <laughs> like you know, in the movie, the wrestler being that guy. It's actually my worst nightmare. So, no, just a hobby. Now, kind of looking into the future, of the crystal ball. Let's just say, you know, a couple of years from now. Do you think you still would be somewhat active in pro wrestling? Do you think you'd kind of go back to being uh, doing more acting and stunt work and things like that? Like kind of, you know, where do you see yourself in a couple of years? Yeah, hopefully my body holds up and I could just do this for fun. Do this for fun. That's my goal. Have a reason to work out. Go to the gym with at least some sort of uh, purpose about it. That's another thing that sucks. You retire from fighting, then you go to the gym. Like, what's the purpose? Feel like, what's the point of this all? What's the point? 
now I could go to the gym, there's a point again. Yeah. You go to the weight room, there's a point. So that's, uh, that's, man, that's it. That's it. That's the key right there. So where it takes me, uh, who the hell knows. Right now, there's nothing too serious. That's what I said about MMA. It was just like, I wanted to do this before I died. And then I won a couple fights. And, oh, my God, Carlson Gracie Sr. is moving up to Chicago full time. And now it's like, oh, boy, I kind of have to take another fight. And then I have to do another fight. And then I have Carlson. I'm fighting for him now. Now he's calling people. Hey, I got a guy. Give him a fight. You know, well, wait. It doesn't matter. He'll kick anyone's ass. That's how he went about getting me fights. And then before I knew it, like, I'm on a reality show. Before I knew it, I'm in the UFC. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> before I know it, I'm retired. And it's like, what's next? You know, I, I joke and say I'm having a midlife crisis. And it's kind of true. Although, you know, usually, that's, you know, guys get Corvettes when they feel like they didn't, in their prime, kind of fulfill their destiny or do where, you know, their their wildest dreams and I feel I did but I'm still having that like midlife crisis where I know I'm getting old it's right around the corner so um before I hit that point let me let me give this a try let me give a purpose to be in the gym well that is awesome and kind of you know the big thing coming up is Smash Mouth Pro Wrestling Valparaiso Indiana on July 16th you could see yourself and Phil Baroni a teaming up big tag match. Where can the fans find anything and everything of Stephen Bonner? You know, give me all your plugs. All right, it's just Stephen Bonner, man. Stephen Bonner Facebook, Stephen Bonner Twitter, Stephen Bonner Instagram. One one word. That's it. The real shooters, me, Baroni, Smash Mouth Pro Wrestling, July 16th, Valparaiso, Indiana. Tristan Hayes and the Machine are getting worked. Getting. I say work when, you know, I'm worked over. That's a fighting term. A work in pro wrestling, another pro wrestling term means a work. But I mean it like I'm going to work them over like it's uh, a real fight, you know. They're getting worked over. Absolutely. Not worked, worked over. Absolutely. And, you know, if you want to see one of the greatest MMA fighters of all time, the American Psycho, getting into the pro wrestling world, like we said, for Smash Mouth Pro Wrestling. Go out and see him on 716 with Phil Baroni. You will not be disappointed. Stephen Bonner, thank you so much for coming on with me. I really, really appreciate all the time you gave me. All right. Thanks for having me. Fun interview. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. You have a great night. Thank you very, very much right. for your time together. All the best. Thanks. Yep. Later. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling, What the World is Downloading.